Good morning. Well, I'm excited about the message as usual, and the title of the message today is, Are You Ready? Are You Ready? And I know you want to know for what. Um, And we went over last week the purposes of preparing for the you know, the success, preparing for our trials, preparing to succeed uh, in our, doing our tests. And we talked about some things. We talked about one of the things is who. We talked about that last week. Who's going to test us? Since we are talking about Joseph uh, from Genesis, we're talking about the life of Joseph. Who's going to actually test us? Went through Deuteronomy, which told us that God tests us. Went through first, uh, Went through the first chapter of James, which we know that not only does God test us, but also Satan tests us. We know that our flesh, our mind is not sanctified like it should be, renewed like it should be. Uh, we know that we get tested that way also. Uh, we found out what to do to tell the difference between those type of tests because we know that sometimes you can't tell the difference between who's testing you, whether it's God or whether it's the enemy. Things are going wrong. You don't know what, what it is, whether it's the enemy, whether it's God. You don't know. So we went through that last week. We talked about last week, why? Why, did, uh, why is God going to test us? Why is he going to allow us to be tested? We went through that also. Uh, in Deuteron- Deuteronomy, again, chapter 8, it said that uh, we uh, tested, he tested them to humble them, uh, to know what was in their heart. They needed to know what was in their heart, also to uh, that they would see whether they would be obedient to the word of God or not. We went through that. That's important. Why do we get tested? We also gave some examples, and and uh, I gave you some wrestling examples and things like that uh, from my early days of of teaching, coaching uh, in high school, and and. Um, uh, Sam said he was glad, of course, that I didn't embarrass myself by calling him up there. Uh, but uh, I have a wrestling coach in the elders today, Sam, so don't you even think that, that it'll be me. It'll be him. Yeah. So we went through those examples last week. We also uh, said that we want to talk a little bit, bit about, uh, I guess, let's turn to Luke and let's go through there. And let me, let me read a scripture on that because that's the best way to do this thing. When we're talking about testing, so well, well, how is God going to test us? Well, he's going to test us through circumstances. He's going to test us uh, uh, with people. He's going to test us uh, with the enemy. It's just he's going to allow the enemy to test us. He's going to allow that. In Luke chapter 6, we'll start... In verse 39, it says, A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? Well, those, those are rhetorical questions, so the answer, of course, is understood. And can a blind man guide a blind man? No. Will they both fall into the pit? Yes. And this 
was during a time where Jesus was, uh, a lot of people came to Jesus. A lot of people came to Jesus from Judea, Jerusalem, uh, Sidon, uh, Tyre, all the uh, coastal regions. And uh, he was gazing at his disciples after he was teaching them. They came to be healed. They came for unclean spirits to uh, to be cast out. So Jesus did all that, but he wanted to teach them some things. And, and Paul this in Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. But he told them that uh, they need to be blessed. Consider themselves blessed in verse 22. I'm, I'm, I'm just reading, catching you up to where this is, uh, that I'm in 39. I'm giving you a backdrop. In verse 22, it says, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they ostracize you, when they insult you, when they scorn your name for evil, for the sake of the Son of Man. So we know that we're supposed to be glad in that day. We're supposed to leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. So we know that we're going to uh, be persecuted in this world. We know that. And if anybody comes to you with a gospel of uh, everything is good all the time, there's nothing ever going to ha- happen to you once you get saved. You're not going to have to go through anything. Then that is a uh, not a it's a false teaching, okay, by the word of God. Because <laughs> there are good things we are going to overcome. There's no doubt about that. But there are things that we're going to have to go through also. And it says uh, in verse forty. It says, a pupil is not above his teacher. Or in the King James, it will say, uh, a disciple is not above his master. But everyone, after he has been fully trained or, 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 or fully perfected, will be like his teacher. Now, that tells me that we're supposed to be disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what it tells me. It tells me that if I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, then I'm going to have to, it's going to have to be enough for me to be like him. I'm not going to be above him. I'm not going to be better than he is. Is that true? We're going to be like he is. And so if we're going to be like Jesus, then we have to know what did Jesus go through? How did he walk this earth? Because I'm, I'm called to walk in the same manner that he walked. That's another scripture. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Let's go there. And it'll tell us a little bit more about this walk of ours because to be ready, we have to know all the things that we're going to face so that we will be able to go through this thing with flying colors. Now, the backdrop of this is he, he wants us to bring glory to his name. That's what he wants. And so we need to be uh, subject to all authority, to civil authorities, uh, to if we were slaves, uh, we need to uh, be subject to our masters, not just those who are nice and, and polite and, and treat us nice, but also to those who are unreasonable. And then it goes on to, to say in verse 20, but what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. 
Now, this telling me that God is going to give, he, he is, he's going to give us favor. He's going to be excited when we suffer for his sake, for the gospel's sake. Because if we don't, that means we're going to be like a chameleon. We're going to blend in. It means that we're going to try to please everybody. That's what it means. You can't please everybody. Jesus didn't please everybody. And sometimes our young people, I think the, uh, the middle age and, and older uh, in this congregation, I think we've been through the school of hard knocks so much we, we understand this. But sometimes uh, as young people, teenagers and, and up uh, in, in, in the youth, sometimes they think that they have to be liked by everybody. So therefore, I need to do what they do. Otherwise, I'm not going to have a friend. Nobody's going to like me. Well, let me tell you, the best thing is that if they, the only reason they're going to like you because you're going to do what they do is they're not doing the word of God, then you don't need that friend. You need Jesus Christ. He's your friend. That's very important. So we can't, we can't uh, uh, please everybody. So that means that for some, some reasons, when you stand for the word of God, that's the standard. That's the standard. You're going to be persecuted for it. Oh, yes. Maybe by your relatives. Maybe those in your own household. It doesn't matter. Because you are called to glorify God. If you're born again, you were created to glorify him. We are supposed to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us and guide us into that. And I said, praise God. Take me from sanctification to sanctification. I need it. We all need it, don't we? We are not what we should be, but I'm thankful that we are not what we used to be. We're progressing in this thing. It says in verse 21, for you have been called for this purpose. What purpose have we been called as Christians? To suffer patiently and endure persecutions for his sake. That's what Joseph was doing. See, we're talking about the life of Joseph. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's look at, uh, turn over to the fifth chapter of 1 Peter, verse 5. It says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you, all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in the proper time, in the carol's time, in the due time. How long? We say who? We say why? How are we going to be tested? How long are we going to test it? How much are we going to test it? He says until the due time. He's going to exalt us in the carol's time, in the proper time. Look at verse 7. It says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Sometimes we think God doesn't see. Sometimes we think God doesn't hear. Especially when things are really going bad. But God sees, 
and God hears. You know you're ready when you are saying in your mind, oh, oh my goodness, I'm excited now because uh, that's what God has called me to do. He's called me to, to be uh, patient, to endure. Those are some of the tests that we said that Joseph went through. Went through, through two of them last week. One was the test of bitterness, and another one was the test of endurance. That test of endurance, you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to go through some things. Be sober, it says in verse 8. Be on alert. You've got uh, to be watching out. It's like if you're on, in Afghanistan or somewhere and they got landmines. You have to be alert. You have to be watching. You can't be lackadaisical and, and, and singing along with your head in the air. You have to be watching because we know that we have an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion. What's he doing? Seeking someone to devour. Now, it's up to us. Do we want to say, hey, devil, here I am. Devour me. You know? No. We want to resist him. <laughs> resist him. And, and we have, um, I don't know what, what, I don't know all the technical terms and all these type of things. I know that, um, that the word in Greek is antihistamine, which is like our uh, antihistamines. And I know I have nurses in here, I have pharmacists in here, so they could tell me all that, those type of things. But I think it's supposed to, supposed to resist up something. Is that right? It's supposed to stand against something? Is that what antihistamine is supposed to do? Okay. Uh, it's supposed to fight something, fight against something. That's what that word is, resist. It's a, it's a resist. It means to stand against. Don't let him devour you. Don't let him have his way with you. Don't give up. Stay firm in your faith or in faith. And that faith is, is, is trusting in Jesus Christ and the gospel. That's what you got to do. Trust, trust in the gospel, the good news. That's what you got to trust in. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your circumstances. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So this is going on with all Christians. We're going to go through some things at some point in time. Some point in time, we're not going, we're going to go through anything. Some point in time, we are. Verse 10, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Oh, that is good news. That is good news. The best news is found in, that, that I want to encourage you with, uh, is the best news is found in, in, in 1 Corinthians. Let's turn there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that's the best news when you're going through suffering. I tell you, I, I would have been, been excited to tell Joseph about that and when he was in prison and everything and, and uh, when they were hauling him off, uh, the Ishmaelites hauling him off to be sold in slavery. I could have given him some, some good advice. This is good advice. This is a memorization verse here that you should memorize so that you will have it down because if we are going to suffer anyway, Persecution, then we might as well be confident in a way. And I'm reading from the New American Standard, but King James tells you similar. There's no temptation. No temptation. Let me read it through first of all. There's no temptation overtaking you, but such as common to man, and God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above 
above that which you are able, but will with the temptation provide a way for you to escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, there is no temptation. Sometimes the enemy makes you think, try to make you think that your temptation that you're going through is not like anybody else is going through. Nobody else is going through what you're going through. You're the only one. And see, when you, when you think you're the only one, then you think that God is unfair. You think that this is not, a, not, not, this is not good. You didn't sign up for this, for everybody else to be, be uh, doing, doing well, but you got a hardship that nobody else has. See, don't believe that. There is no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. Now, when it says common to man, now, we can take it a lot of different ways. One way is that there's no temptation to take us, but it's common to all mankind. Would you believe? You know that you went through something before you got saved, don't you? You know that the unsaved are still going through things, don't you? They're going through things. So there's no temptation taking it, but such as common to man. But also, it's common to Christians. It's common to Christians. No temptation taking you, but it's common to Christians, Christianity. <laughs> you did what's right. You did what's right, but you're suffering for it anyway. That's okay. You find favor with God. We have to learn that this, we're playing for an eternal reward. We're not playing for an earthly trophy, for an earthly plaque, for the accolades of man. We're playing this game. We're trying to pass this test for our eternal rewards in heaven. And when we get a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective, it takes our mind off the mundane, the everyday stuff because anything that happened to us in this life can't compare to the glory that we're going to receive in heaven. Can't compare. I don't care what you go through. Can't compare. You said, well, suppose I'm never delivered on this, in this life. So? Think about it. You're going to be delivered in heaven. You don't have to worry about this old body. Regardless of how weak it is or what happened to it. You might have stepped on the landmine. Anything could happen and you, you're, you're suffering a hardship. But you, your body in heaven <laughs> is a glorified body. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's good. I think Satan wants us to think sometime that everything is about here and now. Everything is about our little 80, 90, 100 years that we serve here on this earth. And so that's why we sometimes uh, get frustrated, irritated when things are not going our way because we don't have but one life to live. So we want to live it to its fullest while we can. And let me tell you, uh, it's not about this life. It's about the life to come. And the life to come can't be compared in pebbles of sand, if you take all of the earth, the grains of all the, 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 the dirt that makes up the earth, you can't compare eternity to one little thing of sand, one little pebble. You can't compare it. If you, if, if you took the whole universe, everything in the universe, and compare it to one little drop of water, you couldn't compare. One breath of air, you couldn't compare to eternity. How long is eternity? It doesn't stop, does it? So what is this little 
hundred years, or hundred and twenty, depending on what you are claiming. Uh, <laughs> what is that? See, it's nothing. So we have to be concerned about our eternal reward. No temptation taken us but says come to man, but God is faithful. Oh, good news. God is faithful. How faithful is he? He never will let you down. Never will let you down. You won't let your children down if you had them. You wouldn't let them down. I don't care what they did or what they didn't do. You're not going to let them down. You're going to try to bring them into all that that you can bring them into this right. God's not going to let us down. God is faithful. You know he's faithful because you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You know he is faithful even just in the Old Testament because he put up with Israel all the time. I mean, all the time, didn't he? There's nobody making the mistakes. I mean, oh, come on. He put up with them because he loves them, and he's still going to bring them back in. Do you hear what I'm saying? They'll be drafted back in. He keeps his covenant. He will not allow us, he will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able. Ooh, that is good news. That tells me whatever I go through, I can handle it. Because he's not going to allow me to be tempted above that which I'm able. And he's the one who calls me to be able. So he's, he's the one who determines how much I'm tempted. He's the one that determines what Satan could do to Job and what he couldn't do. He knew what Job could stand and what he couldn't stand. He didn't allow him to be tempted above that which you were able. Job could go through it because God enabled him to go through it. And even if I don't have the strength to go through it, even if you don't have the strength to go through what you go through, God will strengthen you so that you can. Because sometimes we say, well, I'm too weak. Uh, you know, I've been through too much. One more, just one more anything is a straw that broke the camel's back. You know, a straw can't break a camel's back unless he was ready to go anyway. Right? And one little straw, you just drop one little straw and boom, he gone. You know God's not going to let this happen to us. But sometimes we think so. One, just one little thing, one more thing. And I'm going to give up. Don't you ever give up. Because God will strengthen you in that time that you think you can't go no further. He'll strengthen you. He will not allow you to be tempted by that which you're able, but will with the temptation. I'm going to tell you, oh, this is good now. He'll make a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear up under it. Now, that's interesting. Sometimes when we read that, we say, okay, God's going to make a way for us to escape, and we don't have to go through it. It didn't say that. It says that God's not going to allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation, with the temptation, <laughs> make a way for you to escape, that you may be able to bear it. So if you're going to bear it, you're going to still be going through it. Do you hear what I'm saying? With the temptation means you're still going to go through it. But 
What does he mean then escape is a way of escape? What does he mean? Well, just think if you were in a tunnel. I think they they probably have some tunnel. I, I think I saw that when I was going down 64, I think, to Virginia Beach towards that way. And I saw a sign that I could take the turn, tunnel over here. I could take something. If something over here to the left I could take coming from Charlottesville, Lynchburg way. And it's underwater. It's a long ways, though. And I can imagine being in a tunnel, say you went in there, and, and all of a sudden all the lights went out, poof, and your car broke down, poof, right there in the middle of the thing. And, and you lost your bearings. You didn't have a compass, and everything is dark, and you don't know which way to go. If you go the wrong way, you can go further into the darkness. You might not get out. And you see way three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten miles down the, down the way there, that tunnel, you see a light go by. Boop. That's what it means, a way of escape. Meaning that, oh, I see the way. It doesn't mean you're out of the tunnel. It just means you see the way. Now I know to go this way, and I start heading this way, because where there's light, <laughs> there's a way out. So you start that way. That's what God's going to always give us. He's going to give us a way out that we may be able to bear what we're going through. And I said, God, that is good news. Whatever I'm going through, you're going to show me the way out that I may be able to bear. I said, let me write down all the things that happened to me now so you can show me some way out of this thing. (laughs) I want to know the way out of this thing. Are you ready? Are you ready for the, the big one? The big one. What's coming up now is a lot of things in, in, in the probably collegiate realm. They're having, they're, they're, they're going to have a tournament after a while. And then it's going to determine who's going to go to the nationals. And in professional sports, they're going to have after a while a Super Bowl. Are you ready? And see, everything we've been talking about is getting you ready. Everything that God's been doing in your life is getting you ready for your purpose. That's what he's been doing with with Joseph. Everything that Joseph's going through was getting him ready for what he called him to do. Let's go over there. Chapter 41, Genesis. Now, we know that He's gone through a test of his attitude. He passed it. He went through a test of his work ethics. He did flying colors. He went through his test of um, more integrity. Passed it. Flying colors. But he was persecuted for it. He was put in jail for it, for passing that test. But, oh, even there, God showed favor. And we went through last week. We saw the dreams. We saw what happened. And we saw that he passed his test of bitterness. He passed his test 
of endurance. That's where we left off. Now we're in 40, verse 1. It says, Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their Lord and all that. We went through that. Now, all this goes into what Pharaoh had. Joseph was ready. Joseph was ready. Who determines whether you're ready or not? Who determines that? God determines a carol's time, doesn't he? But don't we have something to do with that? Do you know that the children of Israel could have gone into the promised land 40 years earlier? That God says, you know what? You smell bad, so I'm going to let you stay in the wilderness because you can't go over Canada because you, you haven't had a bath. No, he didn't say that, did he? In other words, that they determined they had something to do with the longevity of them standing in the wilderness. Are you ready for what God has for you? If you don't pass your test, any school teacher will tell you that you're going to get it again. Any coach tells you, that's why they have scrimmages at the beginning of the year with really terrible opponents. <laughs> Somebody they can beat up on real bad, you know, because they want to start getting ready until they, before they get into their, you know, their um, conference type of thing. When they're in their conference, every game is a game of preparation for the tournament. In a tournament, it's preparation to see whether you're going to make it on to the NCAA finals. Every game is important. I think they have how many teams left now from the Super Bowl? Four? Is it four or two? Four? Okay, two out of the day. Who, who, who's going? Are they ready? <laughs> we'll see. You know, it's like... like like Denver, I think they play somebody, then they play, then they play somebody like the, like like the Patriots, somebody. Uh, like, were they ready? Were they ready? See, all the preparation up to that time determines: Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God has called you to do? Oh, sure, we're going through the general purpose of God, but God has a specific purpose for your life. Are you ready for that? Are you going to pass your test? Are you going to be serious about your test? Are you going to just run away from all your tests? No, no matter what you hear, no matter what you hear, see in the Word, all these things, you'll say, well, that's good and dandy, but uh, all of us make mistakes. All of us are, you know, none of us are what we're supposed to be, and, and we got this lackadaisical attitude. We're not pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. When, we, when these situations come up and we know our attitude might not be right, our faithfulness might not be right, our this might not be right, our more integrity might not be right. Whatever might not be right, God says, get it right. Get it right because I have something for you. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for you. And I don't know what it is for me until he brings me into it. Unless you had a prophetic word or something like Joseph had, a dream, and he knew it was from God, then you don't know. But still, you won't know how long. You don't know what you're going to go through in the meantime. 
I'm telling you, it's, it's important to go through these tests. It's important to pass your tests. It's important for you to get information on these tests. Hey, uh, uh, you know, the, give me some information. What do you see in my life? What, what do you see need to be improved? You need to be actively with somebody who, who really knows you, who, 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 who would tell you the truth. What are some things that can help you to pass your test so you had to keep getting the same thing over and over again? So you can get to this thing, not in 40 years. Oh, that's why God, oh my, youth, God loves youth. You give a, a, a Daniel or Timothy or Titus or some of these young people, you know, God, oh my goodness gracious. Can you imagine a teenager on fire loving God, standing purposes, standing firm, you know, in this word of God, doing the word of God, you know, being sanctified, serious about their prayer life. Can you imagine what God will do for that person. You'll do the same if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. But let's don't wait till we're 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 to do that. I want to be ready. Are you ready? Let's go to verse 20. 40, uh, not 41, I want to go to 41. Uh, let's go over to, the, to what this dream that Pharaoh had because Joseph is ready now. He's ready to, to come out of this thing. He's ready to come out of this thing. So Pharaoh has a dream. And um, Pharaoh had this dream, and the problem was that nobody could interpret the dream. And we, we said last week that the cupbearer had forgotten about Joseph, but now the cupbearer speaks up. Verse 9, chapter 41. I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the body of God, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the inter- interpretation of our own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was there, uh, was there with us, a servant of the captain of the body of God, and we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us, to each one, according to his dream. It came about just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, and he hanged him, Rebecca. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurried and brought him out of the dungeon. Ha! Oh, deliverance. He is ready. Is he ready? He is ready. He is ready. He's still going to have tests. Do you believe it? He's still going to have tests. Not the test that he had per se to determine whether he was ready, but Satan leaves you for a season, but then he'll come back. So whether you're ready or not is going to determine how you play the game. How you play the game on game day. The two people that's playing maybe today, we're going to see who's ready because it's going to be determined how they play. They, they, they fumble balls. They do all that kind of stuff, throw interceptions. They're going to lose. You can't, when, you, when, when it's game time, tournament time, when it's on the line, you have to be ready. So Joseph, we're going to see whether he's, he's ready or not. Pharaoh said to Joseph, verse 15, I had a dream but no one could interpret it for me. 
And I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret. Here's the first test to see whether he's still humble. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. What does he mean by that? It's not in me to interpret no dreams. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Is that humility? He could have said because he know that, ho, ho, you know the dreams I had about my, I mean, my brothers and all that stuff? It must, I must be ready to bring this thing on pass now. You know, uh, you know what, the things I had about the, the, the chief, the, the uh, baker and, and the chief cup, cup bearer, man, that thing come to pass. Hey, Pharaoh, tell it to me. I can do this thing. Tell it to me. I will interpret for you. It wasn't an I in it. It was God would do it. It's not in me. You see? Humility. I'm telling you, on game day, if you are ready, you just, it's just, it's like, if you, have you ever taken a test and you know, you know all the answers? I mean, you just, you, you can't even, you can't believe how easy this thing is. Have you ever played sports or anything and it had a game that, I mean, everything y'all practiced worked. Have you ever had a, 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 a match just for your, 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 your wrestler? Every move, he, every move you taught him, he, it works, just as you said. You, know? you have some opponents like that. Well, see, Joseph, he's passing this thing. Flying colors, check. My goodness. So Pharaoh spoke the dream to him, told him about the, the uh, uh, seven uh, cows and, and told him about the, the, the ears of corn. And you can read it on your own. We don't want to read everything that's a story. And um, it's, it's awesome. But then Joseph, in verse 25, says, Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told Pharaoh what he's about to do. Why would God tell Pharaoh, an ungodly king, what he is about to do? He didn't tell Joseph in, in, in prison, hey, I tell you what, brother, don't you worry about a thing. I'm going to send a, a cup barrel, I'm going to send a, a baker in here, and you, I'm going to give him dreams, and you're going to interpret the dreams. And then two years later, I'm going to bring you out, and you're going to be ruler. Why didn't he tell him? But he tells, he, he tells Pharaoh what's going to happen before it happens. Why? I'm wondering. It's not about Pharaoh. It's about God's purpose of bringing his people into Egypt because that was already... He's already prophetically said that, that I'm, hey, I'm going to bring your, your, your seed. Abraham's going to go into bondage, 400 years. You remember that? So now it's time for it to come to pass, you see. So God's got to bring this thing to pass. He has to save Israel. So he gets them there, and I have to, give them an opportunity to grow and multiply because it said about 70 people came, and it was more than that, uh, but it was just 70 that was, that was named pretty much. And you said, well, wow, God did a big thing here. 
He did. God will move heaven and earth for you to accomplish his purposes. He will. He will. He just needs you to be obedient. Now, let's go a little further. Verse 26. The seven good cows are the seven years, and the seven good ears are the seven years, and the dreams are one. You you can understand why these dreams uh, was kind of disturbing to Pharaoh, because here you have uh, some, some skinny, uh, gaunt cows eating up the good cows, and then they don't gain any weight. You say, wow, this is, I've never seen such an all Israel. That's what, what he said. So, so Joseph's now interpreting what's happening, and he says in verse 32, now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and will quickly be brought about. Now let Pharaoh look for a man, discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him extract a fifth. What percent is that? 20%. Of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food in these good years that are coming and store up the grain for the food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all the servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom the divine spirit has that in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your command. Oh, my goodness. Wow, this is, this is good. All my people shall do homage. Only the throne, in the throne, I will be greater than you. Wow. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring and he, from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot. And, and they pro- proclaimed before him, bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission... No one will raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh, of course, gave him uh, Joseph, uh, Zephaniah, uh, Peniel, the, the, and he gave him, uh, that's the name he gave him, and Asphaneth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of Om, as his wife, and Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. Next test. I say that there's a test that you don't see here, but I know that he passed. Here's the test. You remember I told you about uh, bitterness? If Joseph were bitter, 
uh, we know he wouldn't have been exalted in the jail. But sometimes we make do because we have to. In other words, on a job sometimes, because we're getting paid, we keep our mouth closed, we smile, and we act like we love the boss, you know. And, um, <laughs> you know. But then, if we ever get another job, then we'll kind of let them know in a, in a you know, small, nice way, you know, that we really don't love them, you know. We really never did, you know. <laughs> Do you realize that if not a hand, not a foot, is going to be raised in Egypt, apart from Joseph giving them permission to do so, that now is the time. Now is the time. You know that woman that sent me to jail, that said that I, that I uh, you know, was going to rape her, Pharaoh, I got two things that I'll do this thing. I got two things. <laughs> Number one, that wife, she got to go. She's going to jail, you know, dungeon, down five steps around the corner, you know. <laughs> She's never getting out. You know that bodyguard who... Who, who allowed this to happen to me? No longer bodyguard. We're getting rid of him. Yeah. Getting rid of him. He loves his wife so much, put him in the dungeon too. Yeah. Come on. I know that I know I know that y'all are, this is a church. I know that y'all don't even think that way. I know that I know that there's no retribution with y'all. You know the scripture, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, you know. Um so just because somebody don't speak to me, I'm going to speak to them. Somebody don't smile at me, I'm going to smile at them. You know, I'm going to be nice, you know. Somebody doesn't love me, I'm going to love them anyway. But I'm going to tell you, it's real. It's real. Sometimes when you've been treated mean, sometimes, now, now of course now, you won't let it be known to everybody. you just like, like David told, told <laughs> Solomon, his son. Hey, Solomon, come on, let me tell you. Shemini, don't let his gray hair go down to the grave. You know that, that uh, Joab that, that killed my son, Absalom? You know that, that always he killed Abner? Take care of him. Take care of him. Did he do it? Did, did, did David say that? Did Solomon take care of him? Yeah. Don't say to me that, oh, no, no man of God would do anything like that. Come on. Not if we'll pass our test, not if we're really not bitter. Remember last week's message? Not, not really if you understand God's purposes. No, you're not going to do that. But I'm telling you, if you don't get ready, you will fall in that same trap. I'm telling you. Because we do it in a way <laughs> sometimes because we do it to each other sometimes. Don't we? You holler at me, I'm going to holler at you. Come on. Don't you? Yeah. So I'm trying to tell you that be ready. Be ready to stand your feet.
I want to pass my test. I want to be ready. Because when the big game comes, when the big tournament comes, where it either win or you go home, pack your uniforms up, I want to, I want to win this thing. I've got to remember everything that God has taken me through. So that's what we have to do when we go through these situations, when we attempt it. We have to realize that, okay, I'm learning this, I'm learning that. I'm learning this, I'm learning that. These messages are not for you to uh, just hear and say, oh, no, you know, this is okay, you know. These messages will be walked out because, believe me, we're all going to be tested anyway. So we might as well learn how to be ready to pass our test. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you are telling your church to be ready, to be on alert. That adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't care what our name is. He doesn't care what it is about us that he can devour. He'll devour whatever is not ready to pass the test. So, Lord, we want to be ready in every single area of our lives. And it's a preparation time. You're going to give the carols time at some point, and you're going to say, oh, let's come out and see whether you're ready or not. We want to be ready, Lord. We want to walk in our purposes. We want to, we want to do the things that you've called us to do at a young age. Whatever age we are, it's a young age because we're alive today in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's a young age. Compared to eternity, it's a young age. So we want to pass our test. And I just pronounce over this body are getting ready. Are getting ready. I say, get ready, congregation. Get ready for God to move you in his specific purposes that he has for your life. Get ready. Get ready. Don't take it lightly of these things that you're going through. They're for a purpose to build your strength, to prepare you to be ready as Joseph was ready was ready. He didn't flunk not one test. And we'll go through some more the next time I teach. We'll go through some more of the things that how he just checked off. We can check it off. He didn't check it off. We can check it off. He passed that test too. Woo! He passed it. Cool. Glory. Hallelujah. The big test is going to come, we know, when his brothers <laughs> come. Oh, that's going to be a big one. Is he going to be ready? Is he going to be ready? Are we going to be ready? We know the story, but are, are we going to be ready because we don't know the story? We want to be ready, Lord. If there's anybody here that hasn't given your life to Jesus Christ, I'd like for to include you on a closing prayer. And if you haven't, just raise your hand high enough for me to see it and put it back down because I'd like to include you on a closing prayer. Is anybody like that here that would like to give your life to Jesus Christ? Would the, work, uh, the prayer team come up, please? Is there anybody here that will say I've given my life to Jesus Christ but I just haven't been walking in that relationship I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ 
Oh, I'm saved, but I don't have a personal relationship with him. Just raise your hand and put it back up. We'll include you on a closing prayer. Anybody like that? And the last call will be the call for the message. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Or would you like for me to include you in a closing prayer that, God, I'm not ready yet, but God, help me to be ready because I want to be ready. Anybody like that? Just raise your hand and put it back down. My hand is up too. Father, you saw the hands, and we'll pray, we're praying, Lord, as we close, that you will get us ready. Give us the test that's needed. Gets us ready. Any test that we are failing, give it to us again, Lord. We want it again. Make us aware that we failed the test so we can pass it next time. You're a good God. (laughs) You don't blame us and you don't treat us mean because we fell a test because your desire for us to pass and we will pass but we want to pass at a young age Father help us to do that help us to be ready Lord and we already know that you're not going to allow us to be tempted above that which we're able you will with the temptation make a way for us to escape that we may be able to bear up under it So we thank you in advance, Lord, that you are so good that you will not allow us to be tempted above which we are able. So whatever we are going through, we say thank you, Jesus, that we can bear it. We can bear it. We can bear it. And we say don't take it from us, Lord, too soon. Let us pass it first. Don't allow the enemy to take it from us. We want to pass this test. Don't let us off the hook. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. We thank you today for coming. This is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and be glad in it.